Welcome to the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. We're back with another episode of the Texas Oil & Gas Podcast. This is episode 166. 166. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, uh we have uh, we have some news about mergers and acquisitions coming up this week, man. There's there's been a lot of talks. Uh, I actually oh, got an alert. Big webinar announcement we had. You know, talk about that. No, that merging all the biggest names in oil and gas industry together. Not 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 that. You're talking about something else. Well, that, that's a part. Of, that's a merger. That's an acquisition. <laughs> you know, we don't have any uh, reviews, and we haven't heard back from our buddy in New Hampshire. So I don't know if we. Uh, grant him off or not but yeah we do have an announcement coming out hopefully what's today the today's the third of august third of august so we have a huge webinar we have tentatively everyone agreed just trying to pin down a date probably early september late august maybe mid-september we're trying to hit it down now with some of the biggest names in the oil and gas industry on the future of the shale industry it's not a free event but it is virtual uh, we're working out all of that. Hopefully, we'll have it out by the time next week rolls around. So, um, really excited about that. Um, any, other, any other announcements we had, Josh, before we get started? No. Oh, oh, oh. Some 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 people have reached out and said, "Hey, uh, how can we?" You know, kind of heard some of the stuff about supporting the show. How can we support it? Just go sign up for the War Room newsletter. That's if you want to support financially, that is the easiest and quickest way to do that. Um, if you want to send briefcase full of $100 bills, contact me. I'll be happy to give you my home address for that. Um, if you want to send something more suspicious, we'll give you Nate's address. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of let us know and uh, we'll get you taken care of. Please no ticking time bombs, people. <laughs> so anyways, um, Nate, you are chipper today. I guess your sleep with the new baby is getting a little better. A little bit better, Ryan. Um, he allowed us to go for almost 35 minutes without screaming last night, which was oh, allowed is primo. The, the proper word there. He yes. allowed you. That's very, that's... he allowed us. <laughs> we did not allow him. <laughs> oh, so what's your. Three weeks into fatherhood now? Two weeks? I'm three, no, two and a half weeks into fatherhood now. Uh, for for those of you unmarried or un, uh, unchilded men out there, I would absolutely recommend it. It's awesome, despite the uh, relatively high cost in terms of sleep, sanity, the ability to eat whenever you want to, the ability to move whenever you want to. Uh <laughs> You know, all those things. It's so funny. <clears throat> Everyone, you, know, you you kind of think, okay, yeah, we're going here. You're nervous, you're scared, but we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna tackle this thing and we're gonna we're gonna do it. And about a week, week two in, like, these babies are beasts, like they <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they're more resilient than you. They despite the fact they sleep more than you, they actually have more energy when they want to than you do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in all important areas, they're going to kick your butt yeah. and you just have to be okay with that you have to be okay with it. so yes uh, but it, it's definitely definitely worth it so anyways um i would i would ask how your weekend josh was but we we're talking offline you know we know so we're gonna have to start a, a gofundme for the sheltered family i think <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, well, I got, I got five. I got five. So uh, I got one, one of them that's just absolutely crazy. Yeah, I think we have like a possession problem with him or something. Yeah, you might as well have 50 <laughs> yeah. with that kid. So, uh, so a, a couple of things came out. So we talked last week. Uh, Trump was headed to, I believe it was Midland, right? Midland, Odessa. Yeah. Um, and he was going to talk out there. And so that that uh, that brings a lot of attention to just Trump in general, energy policy. So this week there was lots of news covering his energy. Um, for instance, one article has Trump extends LNG exports through 2050. Um, well, hey, r- real quick, what did you hear about the? What was your feedback from folks you interacted with? I saw a lot of folks that were uh, that were quite a that were quite a disappointed, upset, and then I saw some that were. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, excited, feel, the, the feel that I got was that, uh, more out of touch, like he's, he's coming in chipper, optimistic, kind of the, the typical Trump deal. Um, mm-hmm. and people are hurting. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, trying to, uh, you know, tell somebody it's good news when they're, when they're sad, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it is, I mean, some people are in a situation where they want optimism. They 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 feel like they you you don't want to just be you know pity poor me. And, and so some people I'm sure liked it, but the feel I had was he's talking about how great it is and how the dominance is there, and it's like no, 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 it's not. I think this kind of goes. We talked last week about him. I guess I think this kind of goes back to the the hyperbole, the hyperbole and stuff like that. That you know he constantly uses stuff like that and it gets this stuff like this that it's you know it's you gotta be careful because that message won't fly and you know we took some flack josh if you remember back in march about you know not being very optimistic about the show we had some reviewer like all the positive stuff and uh, of course there's some positive things going on but you know there's a reality of that it's, it's pretty brutal out there too and so um you know he did an interview and maybe we can link this in the show notes i don't know with barstool sports with Dave Portnoy, and I saw it yesterday. Um, if he would do more stuff like that, he would have a better chance of, of winning because the hyperbole was toned down. You know, he's just kind of just talking, kind of like me and you are. Um, you know, a lot of stuff he said was um, not, not that much controversial. He talks about Twitter, and you know, again, you know, some people think everything he says lies. Some people think everything he says the greatest thing in the world. I kind of take case by case. We talked about the Twitter stuff. And he goes, you know. Um, he regrets some of the tweets he sends out and stuff like that, which you'll never hear him say with CNN or MSNBC or even Fox news. Uh, so maybe he's lying to Portnoy, maybe not, but regardless that Trump is the Trump that would have a better shot at winning reelection compared to the always trying to either overhype or underhype or, or whatever um, underhype things. So anyways, if we can, if you, if you get a chance to go check that out, that's a, 20 minute interview. It's pretty, pretty short. Nothing of substance. It's just more of the feel. If that Trump was out there more often, I think he'd have a much better shot at, uh, at securing reelection. But yeah, I saw, you know, you, if you remember Speakner, which, uh, Speakner, I don't know if he's still listening or not after he got the, the Rona, um, you know, one of his complaints was that Trump doesn't care about the oil gas industry. He likes the low oil. And so, um, Trump has low oil. So if you got to buy that narrative, then, you know, Trump, Trump's happy right now, right? Because the price yep. is low, gas is low. And the other thing is, this, this is an aside, for outside the oil and gas industry, if the price of oil were to go up, 
and the price of gasoline would go up, it would hurt the economy because it, you know, it'd make everything more expensive and stuff like that. So I'm not advocating I want low oil prices. I'm just saying that for us outside the industry, um, they like the dollar 95 diesel. I cry when I see it personally, like it's, it's, it's depressing. It's a, it's a bittersweet deal. Uh, no, it's just bitter. It's just bitter. <laughs> it's just bitter for me. I like it about $5. I like to see $5 gas. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, well, you know, one of the things I, I think is going on is he, he went out there in order to put some information, um, put some information out that the oil and gas industry is going to be in trouble if Democrat president is in, is in power. I think, I think that was part of the message. Um, he even, even said, one of the things he said was that, um, for the first time in nearly 70 years, we've become a net exporter of energy, and the United States is now the number one producer of oil and natural gas on the face of the earth. I mean, that, that would have been, that would have riled you up, you know, a year ago, uh, because it was true then, and, and we were, you know, it, the market was doing well, but um, I just don't know that anybody hears that and thinks much of it at this point. I mean. Yeah, well, I mean, on the, the oil stuff, you know, you know, it's kind of, but right. Your point, I think, is is true. It was a year ago, whatever he would have said about the oil and gas industry, you'd have been, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. the rig counts bottoming out, um, is struggling, and this kind of gets into, you know, I, I'd be curious in an honest moment how much Trump understands about the about the oil industry, you know, and it, it's kind of tough because you talk about the oil and gas industry, you got folks that are all the way, you know, from seismic surveying who are tied to the oil and gas industry all the way to you know the gas station that's all that's not the oil industry as you think about conventionally but it is tied to the industry um but more particularly obviously from drilling to refining so those industries aren't always on the same cycle the impact's different and then all the service companies that are, that are tied to them so um yeah I, I, stuff like that i would think right now if i you know if you if trump was asking me it would be more of how we get the oil industry back, but the problem again is the messaging. If he starts advocating for higher gas uh, oil prices, that's higher gasoline prices, and that's going to impact the consumers. Um, and so, another thing is, is what does he do? Like seriously, what what, what can he do right now um, to save it? Remember, people were like, "Oh, he's going to fill up the SPR and save the oil industry." No, 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 no. So, what could Trump do? Um. I think one of the things he's doing is he's trying to show the opponent's position. So basically not necessarily reporting or, or establishing a plan, but more so saying, you think it's bad now. What if this guy gets in? So, and that, that, that doesn't necessarily, I mean, so as far as actions he could take to specifically help the, the industry, I don't know. I don't know that there is any, mm. I don't know that there is any. I mean, do you think um, he could, Go to war. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, go to war. I mean, there's there's certain things he could do, but but those aren't really. I mean, so there are things he could do, but not things that I think would be good or wise or the proper thing to. Um, you know, the the, the price has got to go up, got to stay up, and you know, the economy, the economy's got to get going again, and you know, right now. There's kind of mixed thoughts on that. So, yeah, I don't know that he could even affect that at this point. Um, 
Yeah. I, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know what, what the list of California is, but, um, you know, all the schools, the beta were opening schools, closing schools. You know, if the schools stay closed for another three, two or three months, you know, that that's going to hurt the gasoline demand, the diesel demand. Um, it's going to impact that. And so that's not going to help prices. Uh, we're coming off of, you know, by the end of this month, we'll be at the end of usually kind of the peak demand, one of the peak demand times of the year uh, for driving, especially. So um, you would expect the market to kind of soften up some moving forward. And then, you know, the presidential debate is going to be in focus. And so, you know, will banks and stuff like that look at, um, you know, oil and gas production as a risky investment until the, until the election's over, which means that, you know, they're not going to commit to anything. So, yeah, I don't know what, pra- I mean, there are things you could do, obviously, but practically um, that would really have that much sway. It means you're going to stop, in, you know, stop allowing oil to be imported. That seems to be a drastic measure, you know, I, so not much, I don't think. And that's, that's kind of my point is that, you know, Biden's gonna be worse. Okay. I think we all agree. It's probably the reality, but you know, the, the, the worst thing about Biden would be, I think Josh is that the economy under Biden might be worse. <laughs> so the demand the, Biden may not regulate the death. It just might be the demand is just lower because the economy sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, it's a good chance of that. Uh, it looks like in a way to be clear, it's not just not just uh, under Biden. It, it, it could just be terrible regardless. But well, uh, a part of a part of the narrative that's coming out is on, on the Biden side. What they're trying to go in, they're going all in on a energy transition to you know to cleaner renewable energy, um, and it looks like that Trump is responding to that by going to Midland, and um, so there there are some positive things in that. Um, but at some level, I, I don't, I don't know that there's a lot he can do at this point, you know, in the next 12 to 12 to 18 months, I just don't know that there's a lot, a lot to be done. I'm, I'm worried. Um, I'm worried about the emphasis it, with the situation that oil and gas is in right now, a move to uh, emphasis on cleaner renewable energy and possibly more carbon tax and things like that, that, that could be, that could be devastating. Well, right. So the renewables, I hadn't looked at the, the recent numbers, but they might be more affordable because you can build the parts with cheaper oil, you know, um, you know, the plastics come cheaper, gas, diesel's cheaper, stuff like that. So you might have a, a surge where the renewables are um, a little bit more cost effective, but I, I think just to kind of, my, my final thoughts on the Biden deal is, it depends on Biden, if, if Biden were to win, it depends on how he wins, right? If he wins in a gargantuan nationwide landslide, he takes Texas, you know, um, stuff like that. Then, yeah, I think some of those regulations could be could be trouble for the industry. If he wins in a narrow, contested debate, he gets trounced in Texas. You know, I, you know, I don't think the way things have gone, especially the last six months of the coronavirus. I think the U.S. is at a point now to where listening to the federals is not necessarily the the thing that we're going to do anymore, you know. And so, if Biden came in and said, "You know what, we're going to do something that makes it crazy hard to drill," um, listen, if you're if you're willing to fight the federal government or the state government over a mask, what do you think you can do when it comes to your your, your livelihood? So, yeah. being that we've being that we're kind of there, if so, now Biden wins the landslide and he's got the a true mandate. That's one thing. If it's a close contested race, um, I, I'm not sure that the federal government would just be able to roll out tougher regulations without really getting a, 
almost a not, not a fist fight, not calling for violence, obviously, but you know, a, 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 a strong pushback anymore. And uh, so that's kind of what I would say about the Biden stuff. Well, uh, we got uh, an article here with MRT. This is uh, still on the on the Trump meeting out in Midland. Shell drillers signal a bleak 2020 while Trump champions oil patch. Uh, so he's talking about energy dominance, and the shell drillers are uh, pessimistic about the you know the situation right now. So uh, that 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 kind of sums up what I've what I've kind of sensed about the about his his meeting out there. Um, predominantly. So, um, to, to wrap that up, Ryan, I think, uh, there's a lot of M and a stuff that, that, uh, that I want to get into. Uh, the first one though, that, uh, that came out, I was, I forget what I was doing, but I, I got an alert on my phone. Wall street journal was up. I think I was doing something with the kids and, uh, it looks like marathon is working on a deal with, uh, with seven 11. Did you see that $21 billion deal where seven 11 could be acquiring marathons? Uh, I think it's gas stations. Yeah. So I, I went to look in this a little bit more because, um, so, you know, remember back Marathon split up oh, years ago. So this is their petroleum, uh, the petroleum company. But it, it, this was an interesting one because you got to think the gas station business if you're if you're a big believer in EVs, the gas station business, you would imagine would be hurt long term, right? Because yep. I, I don't know, and maybe someone who's kind of an EV expert can tell me. I don't know how the EVs fit into the gas station model because they take longer to charge. You need more parking spots. You know, it just seems like that's not really. They're better to go like Whole Foods or Walmart or you know, wherever Costco. You, you're going to be there thirty minutes or whatever. You get a get a better charge than a gas station. Um, I'm sure some gas stations will incorporate one or two spots, but you know, what's an average gas gas station right now? What has what three, four pumps uh, that you can pump on both sides on. So what 12 cars, something like that. Right. Okay. So, you know, 12 to 16 cars, something like that. So you, you, you think and those cars are there for what three to five minutes, probably max on average. All right. Yeah. So if you said, well, you're gonna do that for EVs, the EVs would be there for, I don't know how long it takes to charge a car or what, 30 minutes, something like that. So that the time that it takes there, the turnover is a lot slower. So for a gas station, how they make money is by turning people over, bring them in, fill them up, sell them the Snickers, get them out. The fact that this deal happens makes you wonder if 7 is a little bit, a little less optimistic about the future of EVs than maybe some of the, um, the, 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 um, the media would have you believe that it's around the corner. That, that was kind of my big takeaway. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. I, I was looking at it and thinking, uh, it just, uh, the, the price, of the price of gasoline right now and, and the state of the industry that that seems like a lot of money to, to invest in it. Um, uh, it's, it's hard to say, I, it's so much money on the table. I'd have to, I'd have to look more in depth at it, but it just, it just seemed just my first thought when I saw it was, I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting that, um, at this yeah. particular point. Well, yeah, the other thing is is that as the economy picks back up, gas stations will be more and more will be busier and busier, right? Because yeah. people be coming and going. And so if you think that if you're thinking, you know, the next five to ten years, uh, then you would expect, you know, within the next year to two years at the latest, the economy pick back up and so the gas stations pick back up. So maybe they're getting a good I don't know what the valuation like you kind of the same thing, but they could be getting a good deal now and but I think longer term, 
you know, you're, you're going to make back $21 billion. Uh, you're probably looking longer than three to five years. Right. So I think that, that, that my kind of takeaway was, is I wonder, I, I suspect at least that 7-Eleven is either a not as big on the EV. Now they may have one or two EV pumps here or not pumps, but, um, but charging stations, but you just can't do the EV in mass. Like you can't get, like you can't gas or diesel. So um, that would be kind of my take is that they're, they really confident about the viability of the, of the gasoline, you know, the gas engine and the diesel engine, which makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. My, I would agree with that. I would agree with that as well. Um, and I think it, it says here uh, in one of the articles at the wall street journal, the $3 billion, uh, $3 billion of tax benefits is a part of their, 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 agenda and then getting 5 billion of net sale leaseback proceeds. So, um, there was, there was probably some incentives there to, to make the move from that perspective as well. All right. So, um, there was a couple of earnings reports. Remember we were talking about several that were going to be coming out pretty soon. I don't think that I, did I pull Exxon's? Yeah, we have Exxon in here. Um, but first, uh, Conoco Phillips, uh, their, uh, second quarter earnings snapshot, they had a $260 million um, as the second quarter earnings, and it had a profit of $0.24 cents a share. So ConocoPhillips actually did okay. I mean, they, they were way short of what their expectations were, but uh, when we go through this list, there's not going to be many people that are in the profit. <laughs> uh, Apache, uh, theirs, they're actually $397 million uh, loss second quarter. And I don't know if, if, if many follow, uh, Apache, but, um, they, they actually were having some serious problems, uh, a couple months before COVID ever hit. If, if y'all recall that, I think they shut down one of their offices. Was it San Antonio office that they shut down? And, um, yeah, it was Alpine high. They said that they're giving up on that member. Yeah. I was no longer viable. I think they sold it or they're going to sell it. I can't remember. Yeah, I had some I had some friends that were uh, service companies that were working for Apache that were really bummed out because that was one of their their bigger clients and and they um, they were really scaling down and then and then this happened so uh, yeah I, I, they're they're probably in a pretty tough spot now with a you know second quarter three hundred ninety seven million loss uh, that's whew. Uh, I mean they're and they're a great company they have a really good reputation in the industry so. Um, yeah, I hope hope to see that they uh, hope they make it make it through all this. Permian Old Driller Rose Hill they file for bankruptcy protection. Uh, so Rose Rose Hill, um, let's see, they stated in a statement: "Common shareholders be wiped out. It has 17.5 million secured debt and possession loan facility." So um, I expect to see several of those. I, I'm surprised that someone hasn't stepped in to. Uh, offer something on it. I wonder if they'll end up working out a deal before this whole thing's over. And then uh, ExxonMobil, Chevron adjust in Permian Basin amid market volatility. The super majors are focused on specific developments and improving efficiency. Uh, we talked a little bit about that uh, last week. I think Chevron was installing some solar panels um, in some of their areas so that they could uh, increase efficiency, which is what, you know, what I would have expected uh, companies like Chevron to do. So I'm, I'm really eager to see how Exxon is going to respond to all of this because um, the ESG, um, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see, are they going to be moving to, you know, electric frack fleets or are they going to kind of continue uh, 
is that they were moving in that direction. I believe uh, I heard a lot that they were they were definitely moving in that uh, electric frack fleet. But with prices where they are now, it might not be as cost effective uh, to do that. So it'll be interesting to keep an eye on them. Uh, the Solaris Water Midstream boosts Permian footprint with Concho Resources deal. So uh, Solaris uh, was a you know, big time water player out in the Permian. Um, so they have uh, struck a deal with Concho and, uh, and it's mainly focused on New Mexico's Eddy and Lee counties, which is, that's really the hot spot out there. Um, and it says this a new agreement provides a comprehensive water solution for our northern Delaware Basin footprint and advances our water recycling efforts. Yeah, and uh, Concho said they're cutting their spending by like what 40, 40 50 percent, something like that. So yeah. they, or they cut, or maybe, they, maybe they already did cut it. Um, so I wonder if that's a kind of a way to help alleviate some of that money. Um, just to run a little JV here with uh, um, Solaris. Yeah, I'm sure to help. So we were so excited about water stuff here, uh, you know, a year ago. I'm sure it's still a, a super opportunity out there. You know, that's interesting. I haven't thought about that. When you know, assuming that the drilling picks back up, what is going to happen to all the produced water and all that? You know, yeah. will, will this give them a way to figure out how to deal with those issues before it comes back up? But you know, so if the rig count triples, you know, or something between now and next year. Probably not, but if it takes a year or two to get the rig count back up, then will they have figured out ways to deal with some of those water issues that they're having because now they kind of have the time to sit back and look at the data and stuff like that? Or will the cuts in budget um, and you know, staff reductions kind of just put that to the side because there's no one to look at it? Hmm. And you mentioned Concho. So the we have a hard energy article here about Concho where it says uh, they're, they're crude plunged to a stunning low of negative 38 a barrel in April. Yeah, we all know that. And it remains about 33, 33% lower from January's levels. Uh, production for the second quarter stood at 319,000 barrels a day. Um, does it show on here how much they're going to drop their uh, budget? Let's see. Well, I think there's, there's, yeah, there's a Ford one that said they cut it by, what, I think 44%. So mm, yeah. Okay. Oh. Well, the quarterly loss was 184.4 million. Uh, you know, a year ago, their profit was 50 million. So, mm, it's tough. Mm. Mm. That's three months. That's three months <laughs> worth of good profit <laughs> gone. Mm. All right, and here we go. Exxon posts second straight quarterly loss on demand price plunge. So ExxonMobil Friday reported a $1.1 billion second quarter loss on sharply lower energy demand and prices from COVID-19 pandemic. It was Exxon's first back-to-back -back quarterly loss in at least 36 years. Wow. Yeah. So one, one thing, Josh, let's just talk about reporting in the oil and gas industry. Let's, I just want you to read the, I'm going to read the, read you these two headlines and we'll figure out who the, the journal, same journalists, we'll read you the headlines. Um, well, one's a headline and one's um, one is the, the copy. Enterprise Products Partners shrugs off downturn with $1 billion profit. Okay, that's, that's a headline there. This is from a different article by the same, the same author. The Barnett Shell has now gone five weeks without a horizontal drilling permit. 
filing. But Streetman-based uh, Ephraim Trust plans to drill a new vertical well in Hill County. The well targets the Mount Calm field to a vertical depth of 1,000 feet. Now, in, in one article, Enterprise Products shrugs off downturn with a billion-dollar profit. Why does it not say that Barnett has not dropped a rig in five weeks? Like, why does it not say that? Like, <laughs> I mean... Right, <laughs> the Barnett stays consistent with rig count despite despite uh, shrugs off whatever. You know, I mean, why, why why can't we get those kind of headlines? This is the Trump take on the on the oil <laughs> industry here. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand if Enterprise can shrug off something with it for a billion and make a billion dollars. Why can't we shrug off a uh, a deal by not dropping a rig? I don't. It, it seems consistent. The logic consistent to me. So I don't understand. I'm not going to name the reporter. I'm not going to call out anybody. I just don't understand why we can't get the same kind of coverage in the Barnett as enterprise products. Listen, they made a billion dollars. We didn't lose a rig. It's all the same. It's all the same. Um, so, but that, but listen, I just want to say kudos to enterprise. You made a billion dollars in the second quarter. Like not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. <laughs> it's it, Sergio's article says, but it's still 15% less than the 1.2 billion profit in the second quarter of 2019. <laughs> so in 2019, they made 1.2. And then when the prices go to like negative 600, they made a billion. <laughs> so they lost 200 million in that in, in, somehow in there. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, that's, that's a pretty good day at the office. Huh. Especially just... compared to those other ones we've seen. Oh, yeah, well, there's not many that, that turn to profit. I tell you, uh, not a billion dollar profit, especially. No, yeah, that's probably that's probably as good as it gets right now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And with that, Ryan, I think uh, I think that wraps us up on the roundup. I'm sure there was other stories, but I, I felt like we uh, we covered quite a few today. So uh, yeah, yeah, kind of keep keeping up what's going on. We do have the big announcement coming up soon. Uh, it will be a webinar, virtual webinar conference, it's not a conference, but it's summit, whatever, roundtable discussion, I think that's what we're calling it. Uh, working on a date for that now. We'll probably run a quick ad on here to let you guys know. Um, it, it should be exciting talking about the future of the shale industry in the U.S. Um, I guess that is it, Josh. Um, right? Nothing else? We don't have any other announcements or anything like that, right? No, I think that's it. All right, and we will be back next week. And until then, keep on.